everybody, this is Ryan with Product Hunt Radio, and Eric and I have a special guest today. What's up, Jason? Hey, how are you doing, guys? Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. As I think maybe most people that follow me know, I've been watching this. We could start this for forever since episode number one, and so now you're on the Product Hunt podcast. It's it's all coming full circle. It's crazy. The uh, student is now the master. <laughs> I feel like you're going to cut my hand off at any moment right now. It's like... Also yeah. full circle, we are going to be uh, interviewing speakers at the launch conference. And I'm really mm-hmm. excited about that. It's, um, it's a great story. You know, um, I have been um, really lucky in this business for 20 years now doing this. Like started when I was in my 20s like you guys. And got lucky, you know, four or five, six times. And um, saying that with a little bit of a smirk. Everybody <laughs> keeps telling me how lucky I am. I'm like... The fifth or sixth time, can can one of them yeah. have been skilled? Or, yeah. you know, I when, it keep, when the luck keeps happening, there's something there, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think it's actually just stay in the game. But anyway, um, you know, the Launch Festival really is a celebration about entrepreneurship and innovation. And um, I was partners with uh, Mike Arrington for the first three years. We broke up, and it was pretty not um, clean um, in a lot of personal issues going on in his life. And... Um, we had a bad breakup and I said, you know, I still want to keep doing my conference because I had done conferences in the 90s in New York when I was doing Silicon Valley Reporter magazine mm-hmm. and I just love the idea that 50 companies would launch on stage and not have to pay a penny because demo at the time, this is before your time, but 10, 20 years ago, if you wanted to launch at the demo conference, you had to pay $20,000. $20,000 for a startup is ridiculous of money. <laughs> and back then it was a lot. Money. Back yeah. then it was literally 10% of your angel round because oh, you would be raising two or 300 in your angel round. It wasn't like a million dollar angel round like yeah. today. And you know what? And to a certain extent, it, it was money well spent because the press would be there and in a certain way it validated you. You could spend the $20,000. But I always mm-hmm. took offense to it because I was always broke. I was a bootstrapped entrepreneur. And so the Launch Festival is my way of giving back and kind of fighting the system. But after eight years, I now have stumbled upon, you know, through just a little bit of iteration every year, having the largest startup conference in the world. We have 11,000 people. Which year is this? This is year eight. This so is the eight. Right? I always count the first three years that Mike and I were partners in TechCrunch 50 as the first three years. Yeah. And this is the fifth year, I guess I'm doing it on my own. So this is year eight. Mm-hmm. And um, so over those years, I've had you know, 350 companies launch on stage. It'll be 400 this year. And then 200 in the demo pit for free mm-hmm. launch there. So there's another 800. So you're talking about 1,200 startups. It's quite a legacy. Um, yeah. And what I love about what you guys are doing um, is I, I kind of see a lot of you know, myself and you guys in terms of you're so scrappy, you're so authentic, and you're so in it for the right reasons. You just love product, right? And I always think, I can always tell the authentic people, like, and just look at them and tell if they're posers or if they're in the industry for the right reasons. I always We fool them. We fool them. They fool me real well. Um, <laughs> but I was just walking down the street from a meeting at the um, at the, the little bird company over here in the Twitter line. And I was like, Twitter. and I was just like, I love product, hut. And Ryan, was that was big, hilarious. Ryan, has a huge grin. I, he's I'm, always got a huge grin, but the, <laughs> imagine triple grin. He's well, like, I'm, somebody <laughs> liked my product. Yeah, this was a, two or three months ago. I'm looking at my phone and I hear someone say, I love product, hut. And I look up and I just think it's some random person. Yeah. And it's Jason. And then we start chatting and we're like, oh, yeah, so your launch is coming up. Like, we should do something. And that was like what spawned off this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> because what happens is, you know, I'm on the main stage the whole day. For three days, launching the companies, doing some interviews. We always want to have a second stage where people can breathe a little bit and do something else, right? Mm-hmm. So the main stage is about launching a new product or maybe you know a fireside chat with some luminary. But there's a lot of other people who have a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. And the problem is when I invite them to the second stage, they're like, why can't I be on the first stage? Yeah. So they're, they're implicitly insulted <laughs> that I've asked them to speak. Yeah. So year after year, I try to make the second stage happen. And then I realized, wait a second, if you guys were on the second stage... People love you. You're going to invite them. It's your first stage. It's your only stage. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, I really want to be on the product on stage. So everybody's thrilled to do it. And I have to commend you guys. You got really great speakers. Uh, Whisper, right? Mm-hmm. Michael, great job. Um, Sarah Williams, Aileen Lee. Circa. Matt Galligan. Yeah. Matt Galligan, I'm an investor, full disclosure. Like, And you guys just ran with it and great credit and I think you're going to do a great job and hopefully it's something we can do year after year where you guys just you know feature the people you love on that stage and then we'll record we're going to record everything so the people who are listening in the audience are yeah. going to spend the time and the money to record everything and product time I'm sure you guys will release it on your YouTube channel or Absolutely. whatever you want and yeah. 
well, we really sit on our side, and, you know, we're asking time to lift all books, but who are, who are you each most looking forward to interviewing, I wonder? Ooh, I, I can't choose favorites. Well, I don't no, know. no, but I mean, you have to have some. Here's the way you say it. You yeah. say, um, I'm really interested in hearing from this person um, because of this reason. So you you know, know, it's not a favorite, but it's right. just something you're, somebody who you're really interested at this moment in time. So Sean, Sean is a, I met Sean a few years ago, Sean Curry from CEO of Monkey Inferno and now working on Bebo. And I love him just because he's a hilarious guy. He's one of the most witty guys I know. So it's gonna and be funny. It's gonna be funny, and but also he's he's not he's not just funny. He's actually insightful as well. So good. Yeah, it's always good. And the Bebo now is back, uh, and yeah. they have this really cool avatar creator. Yep. Where people are sharing their avatars. I haven't done it yet. Have you played with it? I haven't. I it's, heard it's sweet. It's it's pretty silly. So I've been playing with it uh, with my friend Carmel. I think she's the only one that I actually use it with right now. Uh, but it's it's ridiculous because you enter a hashtag and a, and a keyword, and they have tens of thousands of, of keywords that they use. Huh. It could be New Year's, it could be happy, it could be sad, it could be YOLO, and it will then <laughs> animate and show your character doing these different actions. It just looks ridiculous. Um, I'm going to download it. Um, I'm excited that we have a bit of a we have a variety of different types of speakers. You do. So we have a few uh, kind of coming from the entertainment world. We have Snoop Dogg's manager, Nick Adler. Great. Um, giving a talk uh, or an interview on the Tao of Snoop and how Snoop is hmm. penetrated within tech. I just got asked to be an OP in Snoop's yes. uh, cannabis fund. Yes. Oh, I didn't hear that. What do you think? Oh, I don't know if that should be public. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it, not because I have a problem with weed. I think weed's wonderful. Everybody should smoke <laughs> weed every day. It's fine with me. Edibles, whatever. In fact, we just smoked up in here. <laughs> Product Hunt Studio is just... <laughs> Hot My mom was sorry. Mom, sorry, come on. It's legal. We just hot box. She's a Morgan. I'm not smoking right now, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we just hot box the whole studio. Um, but I was just like, you know, it's hard for me to be an LP in other fund because I have my own fund, and I was like, I think I need to wait maybe one more year just to let the legal stuff clear up, so I just mm-hmm. don't have a distraction. But you know, I, I admire him, and I think it's great that yeah. you got him. And also, you have Nas's. Yeah, partner. Anthony. Uh, so Anthony. Like, Nas is going to be there. Or Nas manager is going to be there, mm-hmm. and great. they're doing. They raised a fund. They're doing a lot of great stuff. Yep. Also, Troy Carter, good yeah. friend of mine as well. It's awesome. Yeah, so you got lady. Troy coming. I got to make sure we get him uh, to the dinners too. So he's a good friend. Uh, lady Gaga's former manager. Yeah. And um, oh god, who's the famous piano player singer? Just won an Oscar. John Legend. John Legend, I think, yeah. is also one of his uh, yeah, he is. acts. So. And uh, Mazio as well. Matt Mazio, yeah. who's Chris Saka's yeah. partner. Yeah. Um, he's fantastic. He's an up-and-comer. He was uh, at CAA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he uh, jumped over to work with um, Chris Saka, the legendary investor, yeah. who will also be on the main stage. Right. Um, Tony Hawk, right? With Tony Hawk. And we're going to talk to them about mm-hmm. being the greatest. So that's going to be the topic there, is being the greatest. Um, who are you most excited for? That's a very good question. Um, I am very excited always for the companies that are launching, but I can't talk about them right now because we're a week out. Uh, but there's a couple of companies there that I think you're, you're both going to appreciate in terms of they're taking some things that we all appreciate a lot already, like uh, food delivery. I showed you one. We won't mention the name. Mm-hmm. But they're adding and solving some problems that haven't been solved yet. We yeah. have a photography one, you know, like a better Instagram or different, I think is the best way to say it. Um, and we have one that's doing location kind of stuff in the four squarish kind of way. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of new product. And, you know, it's our industry has so much product that you created a site to manage that, right? <laughs> yeah. Hunt. yeah, yeah and every know, day. And people ask, like, in the very beginning, they're like, there's not enough products, Ryan, for this to, like, to, to <laughs> yeah. have enough content. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. Seems <laughs> you know, to, some, seems report, to keep some reporter asked us the other day if we're worried that we'll run out of products. Yes, yeah. absolutely. You know what? It's yeah. so funny. This is exactly what happened when Peter Rojas and Ryan Block, Brian Alvey and myself started a gadget. Yeah. Which was people were like, there's not enough gadget news to have a gadget blog. And we're like, well, we have an idea. We're going to cover every single gadget. And they're like, still not enough. They told us like, the guys at Wired who did a section called Fetish. Remember the Fetish section was in the beginning of the book where they no. would have like all the hardware. They're like, we have to spend a month and we get like eight things. You're going to do 10 things a day. Not possible. And it's like Gadget was doing 30, 40 posts a day. You're doing 100 a day. Yeah, about 50 on the homepage, but that's we get a lot more submissions than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and it's a global market now. So I think one of the great things is, you know, you're going to see a high, high execution level of the companies there. Like people are executing at a very high level right now mm-hmm. because it used to be that the way you learned how to make great product was you just banged your head against the wall working on your project and nobody really shared 
And now with sites yeah. like Product Hunt or Hacker News or podcasts, people really share. And they say, hey, here's how I did this. Or here's how I approach design. Here's how I approach product management. Here's a tool that will help you make your product better. Hey, I made an API so you don't have to, right? right? So, oh, you want to build your own Uber delivery service? Great. There's a Two service now that does it. Yeah, Postmates launched their API a month ago, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So there's all these like, you know, layers upon layers upon layers of products that make you help you roll stuff together. So I'm very excited about those. But there's a couple of wild cards. And one of the things I do... Um, you know, I have a lot of people say to me now, five, six years into doing this being startups, like, wow, you're a really good interviewer. And I say, yeah, you didn't obviously didn't listen to the first two years or three years. You did, right? When I was yeah. a bad interviewer. But I was, was always good, but maybe well, I'm just easily I amused. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, just, I didn't have competition back then. There was nobody who was doing a yeah, podcast, so I was the true. only game in town, really. But um, I do pre-interviews. So today, um, I just left uh, Andrew Mason. Um, who is doing Detour. And we just had an hour-long conversation. Yesterday, I hung out with um, Jeff from LinkedIn. And we, uh, you know, I had like literally half an hour on his calendar. He's a very busy guy, obviously thousands of employees over there, billions of revenue. Wound up being an hour and a half conversation. Wow. Um, And uh, met with Glenn Beck, or had a call with Glenn Beck last Mm -hmm. week. And so I'm doing the rounds now of meeting with all these folks. And I'm very excited about Glenn Beck um, people are a little perplexed about He's why. He's an unusual pick for this type of conference. Correct. You wrote about it today, right? I did write about it today. I wrote, why the F is going back yeah. at the launch festival? Because some people are a little upset because, you know, I say, I think it's kind of, I don't actually know all of his politics and I think they've changed. Um, so people can go take that as a disclaimer. But I want to have great conversations. Mm. And great conversations happen when you have people who don't have the same opinion as you on every yeah. issue. And I think this town has a lot of groupthink. And now we're going to have somebody who represents middle America coming. Like, he's got tens of millions of people, mm-hmm. millions of which pay him money every month, hundreds of employees doing the blaze. I mean, this person is, you know, uh, speaks for and to and with the heartland of this country. So what, what happens between Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York, that's his group. Mm-hmm. And then our group is kind of the coast, right? Yeah. And these things are absolutely colliding now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that people in middle America want to know about. Like, where are our jobs going? Are, is there going to be self-driving cars? Yeah. Is the NSA listening in on me? Is, yeah. is Apple and Google, you know, tracking me? Is Nest listening? And should I put a Nest in my house? Like, there's privacy concerns. There's job concerns. And the whole world is changing so rapidly because of what's happening here in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And that's going to yeah. be the discussion. I had a conversation with my dad couple of days ago, actually, he was asking about some of the, the changes to the internet policy and FCC, FCC and everything, trying to get my perspective on it, coming from the Valley and technology. Sure. And his perspective is coming from a different world. He's in, in Oregon, and he's an entrepreneur, but in different different world entirely. And it seems like more and more of these like, cultures are colliding, and in part, maybe it's because of technology and the connectedness through Facebook and Twitter and, and all of these other networks yeah. uh, in many ways. And there aren't as, But there aren't as many translators between, we're going so fast that the rest of the world doesn't always pick up oh, self-driving cars already, <laughs> you know? And so... Uh, well, you know, I, I'm like that. I'm like, wait, yeah. what? That's actually a thing that's existing? I mean, I think pretty Self-driving soon. cars, I don't know what you guys think about this, but I kind of feel like that's 10 years away, and they keep telling us three. Yeah. And I'm like, I kind of feel it's more like a 10-year thing. Yeah. Like, I think you want it to be a three-year thing. Google, Apple, whatever, whoever's like pushing this three to five-year thing. I think they're kind of lobbying. Yeah. Like we'll we'll be ready in three to five years. But I was behind one of these cars yesterday in the Google, mm-hmm. you know, amphitheater road here. I was going over to LinkedIn, and like this car was driving very slow and annoyingly. Oh, like yeah. I'm like self-driving car. Hurry the f up. <laughs> like I'm trying to get somewhere. I know that this person's reading the paper, but I'm not. Yeah. And you're going like 15 miles an hour, and the speed limit's 35, and it's like sitting there in a light. Like a uh, stop sign, and I'm like, you can go. And the car is like really being careful. <laughs> oh, really? But yeah. even if it is 10 years away, uh, there are a lot of drivers on the road who are, you know, who plan to be driving for 20 years. Or, so they die. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. so they're going to lose their job. And just, what? Self driving car? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a whole whole thing. I mean, that's a whole other conversation yeah. <laughs> in terms of like removing people's jobs and like this technology is technology evil in some ways because. Well, you're a believer in universal income. You know, that's a very interesting question. I don't know if I am. Because one of the things that's happening, I find, is we all have to, I think, let go of what we think we know and, in a way, open our minds up to the possibility that the world might be changing so fast that what we know and what we think may need to change. 
So I, growing up as a kid from Brooklyn who had to fight my way into this industry, fight my way for everything, have, has had the position of anybody can do it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It gets me in trouble sometimes because I tell people, like, if somebody tells you you can't do it because of your gender or race or who you are, don't believe them. Just go plow through it. And then people get really upset at me and they say I'm a racist because I believe in people. Well, the only reason I believe in people is because I was the slow kid in class, and I did it. So it's sort of like, you know, if you're Rudy and you have no business being on the football and, like, somehow they let you on the football field and you get to run a, at least one play, like, it's kind of proof, to me at least, mm-hmm. that it can be done. And now I'm looking at the world and how complex things are, and I'm like, I would be dead set against minimum income because they're like, you know, where's the motivation that people have? Mm-hmm. But then if you look at the alternative, which is 30 or 40% unemployment, and what that causes in the Middle East, what that causes in the pigs, um, which is a derogatory term for the slow uh, economies in Europe, Portugal, Italy, Greece, and Spain, um, when you have 20% unemployment, you get young guys riding in the street, mm-hmm. throwing Molotov cocktails, you know, doing terrorist stuff. They're, these, these are people without hope. And so do I want to hold my ground that anybody can do it and, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I did believe that in my life, but now I'm kind of like, well, if you're in middle America and there's no jobs and everybody's delivering anything from Amazon and it's a drone and there's a self-driving car and all the food is processed by robots, <laughs> I, my opinion might be wrong. There, there might not actually be a job for a gr- certain group of people, in which case the rich people in San Francisco and New York are going to have to pay a little bit more taxes and make sure that those people aren't rioting. So there might be a self-preservation part of this. It's almost like we're moving into Star Trek. You know in Star Trek, nobody had a job. You just had, like, pursuits. Yeah. A lot of the sci-fi movies are like that. I mean, who works? Nobody's working. I mean, a few people are working, and they're usually high-class jobs, like knowledge workers. But people are living a good life, and... Maybe and is there something wrong with that? Is that are, are we lazy yeah. then? And so, yeah. you know, it's like those are the kind of things that keep me up at night. You know, like I don't know about you guys, like jumping down the rabbit hole, reading stuff on the internet, and your phone at the same time. Like I see you guys tweeting at two in the morning. And you guys got the same insomnia I got. And I found a couple of very interesting people talking about this issue. And one of the most interesting proposals I read was, why don't we triple the number of teachers, and increase the amount of time people are in school? and make all college education and graduate school free. Okay, so now when we're talking about jobs, it's costly, it's not as costly as people riding in the streets. So if we said, we're gonna triple the number of teachers, Mm -hmm. so we're gonna lower the class size by two thirds. And, by the way, teachers are gonna work four days a week, not five. So now we added another 20% of jobs. So there are actually ways that you could keep everybody employed, but you would do it by saying, you know, like this group of people has Monday off, this group of people has Friday off, and we're going to need just 20% more workers, right? Yeah. And you could have twice as many doctors and nurses. Why not? That'd be a beautiful world if there were twice as many nurses and doctors. What if, you know, we had um, a world in which, um, you know, you could go to graduate school and you could take a course on any of the STEM courses yeah. any time in your life. So your dad, my dad, who my dad's having a hard time getting work. He's 70 years old and nobody wants to hire a 70-year-old. But he kind of feels like he doesn't have a place in society now. It's kind of sad. It's like kind of heartbreaking for me to see. And it's like, well, if he could go to school and learn how to, I'm not saying he's going to learn how to code, you know, C++, but if he could go to school and he could learn, you know, anything, just the act of going to school would be empowering, you know? And why not? And, and what do we have to lose as a society? Hiring a million teachers... For $100,000 a year, it doesn't seem like that would cost all that much money. That's $100 billion. That's not a lot of money for this country. And, you know, a million teachers could teach the other 300 million people in the country. Why don't we do it? You know, like, so I, I think we've been fed this false narrative that, like, our problems are not solvable. And everyone in the country is fighting. And then the rest of us here in Silicon Valley, New York, L.A., in the tech industry, Portland, Austin, some areas, hotbeds, Boston, D.C., in some places, we're all sitting here going, you know what? Every problem's on the table. Every That's why I moved to San Francisco, because I'm like, you know what? In this town, everybody feels like we can solve any problem. It might be delusional, yeah. Yeah. and it might not be true half the time, but it's true the other half it's, the it's, time. It's better to be to err on the side of delusional and having hope and trying things than the other way around, mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm not going to try, because it's too hard. Yeah, people are cynics, you know? They're, yeah. they're, people have given up in a lot of cases, and I... I 
I don't want to give up on these problems. I, you know, it's kind of lame. You know, I'd rather be on Product Hunt every day and seeing the incremental, like, emoji economy improve <laughs> and be yeah. like, yeah, look, your language. It's true. It's like, yeah, I mean, an emoji <laughs> sounds stupid or whatever, right? Like, but it's like, you know what? Some of these keyboards are not stupid. Like, these keyboards yeah. are going to make people communicate better and do interesting things. Like, well, there, I mean, there's some that, that I actually use in Tokyo to translate. So the easiest way for me to translate when I was speaking to, like, a cab driver was, you know, I need to go back to the, the hotel and he couldn't understand what I was saying. So I used a, a keyboard, just clicked a button, typed the da, word, da, da. showed it to him, bam, done. And Google Translate came out with, um, not a keyboard actually, but it's like a translation app, which is yeah. real-time translation, which is pretty impressive. Did that work in the field? Or I didn't use it, yeah. you. it did actually. Because there's also the there. Skype one now, too. Yes, yes, I've seen that. I haven't tried that one. And it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna like walk up to people, and we're gonna take out our phones, and, or not even take out our phones, it's gonna know, you know, <laughs> that you're speaking Japanese and I'm speaking English, and it's just automatically going to you know, tell us, like, our phone's going to vibrate, we're going to put our earpiece in, we're, we'll have it, like, wet wired in, like, we'll have, like, an yeah. earpiece, like, actually put in, like, with cosmetic surgery, and you'll just start talking, and I'm going to hear, like, the track underneath you. What's so cool about technology, like, right now we're becoming more and more connected, and so I'm, I'm talking to people across the world through Product Titan on Twitter all the, a lot of times, and that's only going to increase, and then furthermore, if you take the, the language barrier out of it like there are a lot of people I don't talk to that I could be talking to right. that's going to give me a lot more understanding of those cultures potentially and also more empathy for other other areas so like I know um, uh, Biz Stone he, uh, they're working on Super and they're previously working on Jelly and he launched an update I think it was this week or the mm -hmm. week before and we had a conversation on, on Product Hunt about it and their, their mission, uh, what, the way he describes it still is like to, to create a more empathetic world. And you could argue whether Super does it or not, but the idea of how do you use technology to build more empathy is really interesting because I think empathy is one of the most important aspects of like human like behavior, of human, the yeah. human aspect. And, yeah. and some of the cynics say that sometimes when we don't see people's faces, it's, it's harder to build empathy. Yeah. And so how can technology like counteract that to increase it? Yeah, exactly. and it's very easy to say things to people on Twitter, isn't it? Yeah. And to get into these kind of battles, you know, and then like, I see, people will say some stuff to me on Twitter and then I see them in person and I'm like, how are you doing? And they're like, they look mortified. Yeah. And then I repeat back to them what they said on Twitter and I'm like, I'm sorry I said that. Because yeah. I remember everything. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man. And then I do this, you ever do this trick, I'm meeting, I'm going to go meet with somebody. This, this happens if you're a super router. Then I search you know, at Product Hunt space Calacanis. And then I see like three years ago, you were like, oh, Calacanis is an idiot. He, he thinks that Apple's going to buy Tesla. And I'm like, I got to make sure I didn't say anything bad. Then I'm just like, oh, oh, Ryan, what's up? What is this tweet from 2009? So I like look up that yeah. old stuff from colon Product Hunt space. That should be, uh, that should be part of the, the uh, refresh. Like, do you use refresh at all? No. What is that? So refresh is an app. You connect your calendar and it will surface information about people you're meeting oh, right yeah. before you meet them. And Love that. it's sometimes like, this is where they went to school, this is where they're working, but it'd be cool to Sunrise see, has a this is the shit that. they talked to you three yeah, years ago. Yeah, they were ago. talking shit to you, and here's what they said. Yeah, you I have to do up. that myself. <laughs> you know, because like on the podcast, yeah. I don't remember what I said about people, because it was yeah. so many years ago. And so I'll meet people, and they'll like be a little bit like not cool, and I'm like, is there a problem? <laughs> did I say something about the show? They're like, yeah, you did. Actually, you said that. And I had it happen with this. What's this? What's the product where everybody takes their all the bicycle people are into the computer system for your bike? Strava. Strava. Yeah. So Strava, like somebody died because of Strava. Or I shouldn't say because of Strava. <laughs> somebody was trying to. For people who don't know, Strava lets you compete in different routes mm -hmm. in time trials. Routes like coming from Pack Heights down to the mission. You know, 50 miles an hour on your bicycle. Mm -hmm. Well, this idiot did this and crashed into an old man and killed him. Mm -hmm. And so this is the thing I remember about Strava. I don't remember all the people who are using it, like, to get healthier or whatever. It just happens to stick in my mind. Yeah. And then you're a talk show host. And, like, the three times Strava came up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the one that killed the old guy, right? Because people were going 60 miles an hour. And then I meet the founder and, you know, whatever. And they're just like, all you think about us is we kill all the people. You know, and I'm like... But why do you have that feature? Like this is where you really start to get into the brass tacks of our business and really product hunt, which is really kind of feature hunt. I kind of look at you guys as feature hunt more than product hunt because a lot of that stuff that's coming out every day is kind of a feature that belongs mm -hmm. in another product. 
So as an investor, I'm like, if you made a really good feature, then I might be able to invest in you and convince you to make a product. Yeah. But the people who are making products, they're not the ones who are putting their stuff on there. The people making the products are watching the people putting the features up. This is my theory. And they'd be like, good feature. Thank you. But I'm going to yeah. hold that. I'm holding I, that. I would love to know how many people were inspired in some way by something that they saw in product. Uh, I mean, I'm raising my hand. Like, it inspired in the sense that they took this idea and built a product around it or like significantly yeah. changed their product based on... So people saw. riff, you know, people come up with new yeah. chords, they come up with new lyrics, and, and that's and it's good. super cool. It's good. Like, even looking at, um, so Secret, they relaunched, and it looks, you know, a lot of people complain about it. Saying it look, look like Ikeak. And yeah, it does look a lot like Ikeak, but at the same time, it's not like it's it's text. It's text in a scrollable window. For the most part, it's a basic interaction, a basic UI that a lot of the products use. So I think they screwed up. The Secret? Big time. Really? I think they lost their way. Because I think there's three issues. The first is it was a beautifully designed, simple product. And they went from beautiful to ugly. They went from those background images and the, mm-hmm. those beautiful blur effects and like changes stuff. That was like the beautiful kind of fun, creative part of the, and they stripped it all out and then the designer left. And I was like, why would you take your product's one redeeming quality that it was beautifully designed and fun to create a post, take it out, and then what are you left with? The thing everybody was complaining about, which is, if you're straight, um, it's filled with a bunch of, like, the amount of gay sex, like, things is incredible. And then, if you're gay, and then your straight friends are talking about sex, like, one of the investors, I won't say which one, there's like 50 investors in that company, was like, I stopped reading it because I have so many gay friends, and all it is is just, like, crazy, raunchy gay sex, and it's too graphic for me. To want to read it every day, and it's so repetitive, <laughs> yeah. like the gay sex is so repetitive on it that I had to like, they should just have a filter on there that I'm straight or gay. And I was like, is, are you being homophobic? And he was like, mm, I'm not being homophobic. I just don't, want, just like I don't want to read stuff in French every day. Right. I don't want to read about something that doesn't interest me every day. To Funny, I had this exact, not exact, but Experience. very similar conversation uh, this weekend um, with some friends and, and uh, she either visited or was in New York and she's like, yeah, when you go to New York and secret, um, no, sorry, this, yeah, no, secret. Um, she's like, yeah, it's all gay sex. I learned a lot about the gay culture <laughs> through secret. I did too, actually. And it's very interesting because it's gay men. It's not uh, gay women mm-hmm. from what I can tell, at least in my feed. And I have a lot of uh, lesbian friends. They're not like hyperactively posting on it. So it's like, I think it appeals to certain groups more than others. Mm-hmm. who maybe want to share certain aspects or something. Um, but I think they just killed the design, which was, like, weird. And then they didn't have this, like, ability to filter. So, like, as it got bigger in each country, I think it went through the same product cycle, which was the it was so powerful to have your phone book be anonymous mm-hmm. that you could slander all your friends and, like, get a lot of stuff off your chest. Mm-hmm. Like, Calacanis, blah, 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 he's a fat Greek bastard, and, like, da, 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 da. And then, like... A bunch of slanderous stuff like, oh my god, Dave Morin and Path is like a failure and Dave Morin is like, he's made too much money in his life and he's too successful and why do people keep letting Dave Morin speak and stuff? And it's like, did you just say he was so successful and he built a lot of beautiful stuff? Like, are you taking one of his products that maybe isn't as big as Facebook? And yeah. it's like, it was like, beat up Dave Morin, gay sex, whatever. But it goes through this like crazy cycle where it's like, everybody bashes everybody. And then everybody gets it out of their system, and it's like, okay, what do we do now? Right. And it happened, I think, in every country. So I don't know if you had that moment during the whole Gaza Strip thing when, like, your whole feed was people in Israel talking about... I didn't see that. That happened to me. My whole feed became uh, Jewish people talking about either they were upset about what was happening in, you know, Gaza or not, and Hamas or whatever. And I was like... This is just way too much of one topic, yeah. and then whatever. But I don't know. What do you think is going to happen with that company and this all this anonymous stuff? I'm an investor in one Whisper. Are you full are. disclosure? Yeah. Really? But I, I invested in Whisper because it was over 18 only. Yeah. Because I felt like the tools that were for kids, it's a little bit too powerful for kids to understand how to use it. I don't mind adults using is it. Do you feel the same way about Yikyak? Or I don't know enough about Yikyak. I'm not a Yikyak user. Yeah. But I know they banned it around schools, right? Because and yeah, do so they allow kids? I'm not certain if they do, but they did geo fence schools. Yeah, geo fence. Yeah, uh, blacklist school areas. Yeah. It's just kids cannot handle this stuff. I don't think kids are designed for this. Well, I was cool. talking to somebody, and their their uh, son 
not son, sorry, their younger brother, 15 years old, uh, was on Snapchat and he ended up sending some inappropriate things. And the father of the girl he was sending to found out. Oh, somebody got to get their ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it actually, like, apparently became, like, a serious thing. And, like, I don't think I would have ever done that at 15. But, you know, at the same time, there's a lot no, of kids I, that just don't I, think I was having stuff. sex at 15, so I don't know why I would have not done it. But through Snapchat? I mean, like, doing that stuff? I don't know. Um, Brian, when did you lose your virginity? It's a different show. Product Hunt exclusive. It's a Product Hunt exclusive. This, this episode just went to the top of Product Hunt. Again, my mom is listening. Yeah, Brian's like, Jason, I have not lost my virginity. <laughs> that special girl that's in San Francisco. Come on. You're embarrassing me. But I do think like kids are, they do grow up quicker. But anonymity plus kids, their brains aren't fully developed, so they don't have judgment. This is one of the things about student loans. That part is so unfair. Yeah. We let people get student loans at the age of 18, 17. Their brains aren't fully formed. You can't bankrupt those loans. And you can't bankrupt them. So they're like, oh, you're not capable of long-term thinking? Like That's the part of your brain that's not developed? Yeah. Oh, you can't do long-term thinking? Great, take $100,000 in loans. And all these kids are like, yeah, go to your college, take $100,000. Picture the American dream, college. Exactly. Yeah. Then they get out and they're like, oh, I have to pay a mortgage and then a mortgage. Okay. Well, this is screwed. Yeah. But I don't know about these anonymous apps. Actually, I'm an investor in another one. Cool. Well, better company too, which is like almost like secret for companies. But I love that idea. Well, we were just talking about empathy, and you know, even people saying shit to you on Twitter. Imagine how many people are saying stuff as anonymous apps get more popular and secret and you know, all these yeah. things. I didn't mind it actually. What I what I wish Secret had was was I would have paid for this. I think this would have been this would have saved Secret. Somebody says shit to you on Secret, and you are able to then go into a chat with them one on one if you have a pro account. Just like and it's double opt in. Yeah. Because okay. if somebody was upset at me about something, I actually want to know. And if they felt like the only way they could vent was to do it on secret or yik yak or whatever, I'd be okay with that. Like, okay, you, I, I pissed you off. That's completely possible. I want to be able to go in there and say, listen, I, I get where you're coming from. If there's any way for us to squash this beef in the coming years, you know, I'm, I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. And I just want to let you know I'm sorry if, you know, you were an employee of mine and it wasn't a great experience for you or whatever. I mean, the, the best way to diffuse this online public conversations is just take it offline, have a phone call. I've actually had a very minor kind of issue in the past with somebody online and, and it was related to Product Hunt and I just emailed her and I was like, hey, if you here's my phone number, call me if you want to chat this out. Like, I don't want to keep talking about this on Twitter or on Product Hunt. Yeah. Like, and then immediately when you're on the phone, you have more empathy because you hear my voice yeah. and you hear me crying. I just weeped. Yes. <laughs> There should be a, a product just for that, just for forgiving people. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good product. Yeah, just if that anyone has any good. beef with anyone, air it out here anonymously, and they get into one on one. You know, you're getting into one on one. If they double That's up a really interesting idea. If you had like squashmybeef.com, yeah. like, although some people would be like, I forgive Jason for being a douchebag. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I would like to forgive Jason for being a huge douche, yeah. and I'd be like, I'd be like, okay, yeah. click yes or no. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. I think that's. Actually, Luik said that to me. Luik was like, on Twitter, he said, like, I, th- you, I think you've really matured and you're not, like, a, a jerk anymore. And I was like, thanks? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> uh, There's something there. I think we should, we should have a podcast just about product ideas and just riff. Actually, that, you know, that could be fun. I, here's a good idea for product hunt we should do. We should do a contest. Whoever can make the best MVP... Mm. around an idea so we come up with an idea and then I'll say like okay if you come up with the best MVP I'll let you into the launch incubator or whatever or maybe tech stars or whatever yeah. could do it and we just say like hey we think there should because remember I did the request for prototype for the yeah. real estate yeah. thing and I got a lot of people I just didn't get like product on people I got like weird business <laughs> people from like Boise Idaho who like wrote me like long business plans that they spent oh, you know no. tens of hours on oh, and I was like wow you've done incredible <laughs> research I wrote the request for pro- profile. I know there's a need. Like yeah. we've already established, there's a need for honest reviews of homes. But they have financial forecasts and everything. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's your ten-year forecast. Wow. Well, now we know we've eliminated one of the eighteen thousand possibilities for this business. If you can write another seventeen thousand, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be down to a thousand possible outcomes. Yeah. But it's like, how is Michael Jordan going to do in the next twenty years as a basketball player? Who cares? Just sign him. You know, like, that's yeah. really angel investing when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to sit there and do projections and figure out if, like, LeBron James is going to be a good player. It's like, he's LeBron. Yeah. Just sign him. Yeah. Give him what he wants. Right? No, that's yeah. how I angel invest. I we should definitely that. do that type of stuff. Could it be yeah. interesting? Like, this is an idea we need. We want to, like, request a profile. Uh, and here's, and what you could do is say, like, you submit them 
and they're all going to go live on the same day. And then everybody votes on that same day in a collection. Mm. And then whoever gets voted the highest, um, or the top three that get voted the highest, because then they'll send a lot of traffic to Protocon, because they'll lobby people, which is a good trick. Um, but we just take the top three then, get to come to San Francisco and have like an actual meeting. Yeah. We actually like, drill down with them, and then we actually invest in it. Or I invest in it, or whatever. Yeah, we could even partner with some, uh, some, some contract firms or individuals that want to help build it or something. I don't know. Give me some fun stuff there. How do you describe your, your investment philosophy? Yeah, uh, I have the tiger, man. I just look in people's eyes and I can tell. <laughs> I can just look. I can talk. To I don't, I don't need to see any financials and numbers. <laughs> no, I, when people say, people say, can I show you my deck? And I say, tell me why you're building the business. Yeah. They tell me. I said, tell me, how, what would this business look like in five years if you succeed and you have you know, uh, all the resources you need? And then I just listen. And I listen intently, right? Because I meditate now and I'm like, try not to talk as much and listen more and like I listen and listen and then I key in on something I say oh you said this so how do you launch the second city what's your strategy for that mm-hmm. and if you got that eye of the top if I ask you product consumption and I said like okay you've got a core group of users how's this going to ever make money Jason's looking at me and I'm cowering in fear right now. <laughs> no, but if I look at you and I say, how you make money? Like, I can see in your eyes, like, ching, 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 ching. Like, you have, like, three or four different answers. And you could actually rank for me the three different ways you're thinking about making money. And you yeah. can give me the pros and the cons. And you can describe it for me in detail. And you can give me three examples. Mm-hmm. Nine out of ten people who want to meet with me. I ask them these like very simple questions on Twitter and they don't even answer them. I'm not Twitter, on email and they can't even answer them. Mm. And it's like, mm, you do not have the eye of the tiger yet. And I can just, so I just tell and then, you know what, if I lose my money on somebody who has the eye of the tiger and it doesn't work out like Go Wallow, Josh Williams, yeah. like I lost money or I have Facebook shares like in escrow somewhere because there's some sort of patent litigation or something going on like four years later so I haven't gotten money. But I told him when they sold to Facebook, I'm okay with all this, you know, lose my money, whatever. Yep. As long as when you start your next company, I'm the first phone call. Yep. And I'm the first investor in the new company. Yep. So, because I'm like, you know what? If I determine you have the eye of the tiger, you're not going to lose that. Like Michael Jordan or... It's the one constant. It's a right. constant. Like he's not losing his competitive edge. So, right. yeah, I'll invest in you no matter what. And I want to invest in you three times. So like Travis from Uber when he showed me what he was working on, I was like, yeah, Red Swoosh and Scour, like I knew him during those things and like Red Swoosh was a pretty good sale, 25 million I think, you know, and then Scour was a complete disaster. He got, he got sued for $250 billion by the movie studios. Scour was his first product, it was Napster, yeah. but for video. Yeah. So people put movies on it. <laughs> and they were like, oh, $250,000 each time somebody downloaded the Last Action Hero, which, by the way, nobody... That is not of a value of $250,000 for <laughs> stealing. Um, they pay you to steal that. Um, and I was like, you know what? That guy's going to be a winner. He's, he is a winner. Yeah. Yeah. He may be losing now, but the, the loser now may be later to win. The times they are changing, you know, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're only going to grow as an entrepreneur, right? I mean, you're never going to lose, I think, you're A. Well, I mean, I, 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 I see think, people, actually. I've I seen people give up. Yeah. But then I meet them and I see them and I can see that they gave up but I can still see the fire. Yeah. And I still see they got it. Like I, I have met those people who basically in the 90s were in the internet business mm-hmm. and then life happened. They got kids, they got private school, they got bills, they got a divorce, yeah. they got this, they got that and they checked out and they went to work for Yahoo as a senior vice president and they went to work for IAC. Responsibilities. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? It's just too yeah. damn hard. And yeah. then I, I see them mm-hmm. and they still got that like little fire in their eyes. And I can see they're just like, they, they think I'm judging them. <laughs> and I am. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I know you got it. You have yeah. to get back in the game. You got you to gotta suit up and get back in that game. You got to get out of that Yahoo corporate office and leaving at 3 o'clock and getting in at 10.30 and doing yoga for an hour and a half. Like, that's it's not It's a pretty good life. I don't know. It's <laughs> a great life. You're not going to build anything great. No, yeah. You show up at Yahoo at 10.30. You go to yoga for an hour, you do an hour at lunch, and then you leave at 3.30 because you got to go pick up your kid or whatever. No offense to your kid or whatever. But, like, I just know you're not going to build anything great, you know? Yeah. For the record, I've been trying to get Ryan to play basketball with me for a year, and he's too busy. (laughs) 
Because he's bragging on every day. Someday. <laughs> nah, you know what? It's good for you guys to grind in the first year, I think. And then what you should do is, when you do take off, take off completely. So you can work 15 days in a row. I've done that. I've worked 30 days in a row. Whatever. You got to do what you got to do. If you got competition, if you got to raise that money, you got to do what you got to do. But then what you should do is, like, yeah, I'm, you, you, that's what's good about having a partner. You say, listen, Eric, I'm going to be off for the next five days, and I'm off. And I'm going to be off off. Like, I'm going to go out with my girl. I'm going to go skiing. I'm going to play ball, whatever. I'm going to swimming. But I'm not going to be on the site for five days. Well, then we, you get to day four, and you're like, I got to get back on the site. I gotta, oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. You get that itch. We don't have girls yet, listeners, so uh, <laughs> keep that. You well, I think, I think thank, for the investors in Product Hunt, they're very glad to hear that. They do not have significant other shows. Yes, 100% focus on Product Hunt. No, you know what? I think... I, when I was younger, I thought like having kids and getting married is a liability. Like, um, what happens as you get older, and you guys will see this, is you start to really figure out what the important things are. So right now, you're just adrenaline. You're doing everything in this business all the time, mm-hmm. and then you get deft, and you're like, I know exactly what that painting needs. And you walk up to the canvas, and you go whoop, and you just do that one little whoop. And it's a masterpiece, right? Like, you just get good at it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, everybody's like, well, what about this? What about that? You're like, yeah, talk to the COO about that. Don't ever talk to me about reception, coffee, parking, whiteboards, rent, electricity bill, or our vacation day policy ever again. I don't want to ever hear it. Because I got to get on that canvas. I got to mm-hmm. get up there and boop, boop, just make that little. It's, it's the focus thing. It's, right. Yeah. And knowing what you do, right? Yep. You have to know what you do. That's what I learned mm-hmm. after being in this game for twenty years. Like, I well, see the thing is, though, you do so much. I mean, you're you you have the incubator, you have launch, you, you have the podcast, the show. You think you I have, do so much? See, this is where you don't. Oh, okay. So you don't secrets. know the secret. What's the secret? <laughs> the secret is, I only do one thing. Yeah. I only do one thing. That's look at products and work on products. So when I'm on this week's service, what am I doing? I'm talking to people about products and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. When I'm angel investing, what am I doing? I'm talking about products. When I'm hosting a conference, what am I doing? I'm talking about products. What I see is entrepreneurship. Everything is the same conversation. It's the same conversation. Being an entrepreneur, growing a company, doing the you know product work, doing the scale work. It's all the same theme over and over again. So when I'm hosting that event, when I leave the incubator, I go work on inside. Mm-hmm. And I know my next five features because I was with seven other entrepreneurs. And they all think that I'm helping them. I'm watching these seven entrepreneurs build their businesses, mm-hmm. listening to a speaker, and interacting, and I'm all I'm doing is thinking about what I'm going to do in my business, how I'm going to make the incubator better next class, how I'm going to do my own growth technique. Mm-hmm. You guys are looking at product hunt companies, and every time you look at them, you're making product hunt better. Because mm-hmm. whatever they did to get to the top of product hunt, product hunt's going to do that to get to the top of Hacker News. Right? It's like a meta There's a lot kind of, of thing. Yeah, I was just talking to a business insider journalist and he was asking some questions related to that. And I mean, we do see so much in, in it's on a surface level sometimes, but then it's a deeper level where we're talking with the founders and we are getting this almost meta, high level perspective of what's happening. You guys are going to be the sickest awesome. angel investors ever. Like, literally, you guys are going to start a venture firm in five years from now and you are going to be the next entries on Horowitz or Sequoia. Because you'll just know product and you'll know who the good people are. You guys should be looking at this as like phase one of your career. Phase one, learn all you can and build this great media company. Phase two, either become investors or build the next great product, right? Because mm-hmm. when I was a journalist, this is why there's so many great VCs who were previously journalists. Because you, yeah. were we just st- talked to Ben Parr yesterday, actually. Who, yeah, you know, he's not a great too. VC yet, by the way. And he, was, and he wasn't a great journalist. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> But, you know, I think Ben will get there on one of those two fronts. No, but it's true. He was actually... There are many, yeah, there are he many was actually great. I would say he's a great journalist at Mashable. He was a great content creator, but maybe not a great journalist. Like, he did great content. Yeah. Um, but there are a few examples. MSG or MSG. Well, you have Michael Moritz. He's the yeah. greatest one, right? Like, yeah. he was a journalist and then boom. Um, so I think journalist and to, to investor is a really good career path. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good writer. We'll see. Yeah. You know, angel investor... That's you, you've got to have a ten year window. The thing is, you out. don't know yet. Ten years. Yeah. You know, or unless if you hit two unicorns in your first five. Yeah. Yeah. Like, know, who's somebody, counting? Like it's somebody, it's amazing somebody, how you build. Who's these, counting? <laughs> these different platforms that all connect to each other. What would you describe as your kind of core competence? Your like best skill that makes you unique. What do you think it is? <laughs> you studied my career. What do you guys think it is? Um, I mean. 
there's many I think it's understanding people to be honest in many ways the way that you talk to people and the way that you interview people you you know how to speak to people you know how the right questions to ask and the right questions to ask is very beneficial for investing it's beneficial for hiring it's beneficial Mm -hmm. for your podcast and your show of course Um, you uh, you keep it real Sometimes it's a favorite, even when it's despite yourself. Yeah. You, you know, even when it's saying something great, when it's saying something not great, you you almost can't help it. You keep it so real that people trust you. And it's authenticity, yeah, like candidness. So and I that's think, that's rare in tech. You know, people are afraid to offend someone. You know, but they know people that, are afraid to be real in the, especially as angel investors or venture capital. You know why? Because there's no they perceive there's no upside to it. If they offend you when they meet you and they turn you down mm-hmm. for product time, they're like, yeah, I just think it's like it's a cheap version of like Reddit. Like, why would I do this? Or if they say to you, like, I, I just think you guys are not thinking big enough. You're like, shit, man, I'm insulted. That CalCast is an a-hole or whatever. But what these people don't realize is if they're phony, then they're just a commodity. So when I meet with entrepreneurs, I always tell them, listen, here's a blue pill, here's a red pill. You want me to be candid? You want me to be not candid? I'll tell you to either way. If it's good, I just tell them. But when it's bad, I tell them red pill or blue pill. Everyone says, tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. And I just tell them, like, listen, on a design level, I would rate this a 5 out of 10. I would rate inside 2.0 a 7.5 or inside 3.0 an 8.5. And here's how I got to 7.5 and 8.5. And here's how you can get from 5 to 7.5 and get it from 7.5 to 8.5. Here's how you get there. Mm-hmm. And man, I got to tell you, when, it, when you have that level of candidness with people and you're right, and you're not saying it in any way to like be a dick to them. It's how you deliver is what's important. Exactly. I'm telling them because I'm like, you know what? Here's how to get there. Because I see everything or I see almost everything like you guys do. Like, here's how to get there, you know? Um, but I think knowable questions and answers are very, very important. And I do think being candid is very important. I think being able to command people's attention is also very important. So you ask me what I think my skill is. I think I'm able to get people's attention. Now, it could be because I ask you questions. It could mm-hmm. be because I'm candid. But in today's market, being able to get the attention of the world and say, hey, this is important, right? Uber is important. Thumbtack is important. You know, Glenn Beck is important. This product hunt is important, right? Like, when you can build up enough credibility and you know how to tell the world, like, hey, listen to what I'm saying, and I'm going to construct an argument on my blog that's so good, that I've thought out so well, that you cannot deny me, even if you hate me. If you think I'm a douche, you think I'm a loudmouth, you think I'm conceited, you think I'm a poser, you think I got lucky six times, whatever you think, but if I construct that argument so good, you know, I write those words and I rewrite them and I rewrite them, that you cannot deny it, to me, that's like, that's really that undeniable uh, skill. You know, yeah. people can't deny you what you've written. And that's what's the most beautiful thing about our industry. And it gets back to what we talked about before about people not being able to stop you. One of the best things about this industry is that people can come out of nowhere and they can become the talk of the town. You guys did it. Nobody knew who you guys were a year ago. And now everybody's talking about product. You know why? Because your product is undeniably good. Uber is undeniably good. Thumbtack is undeniably good, right? Mm-hmm. This weekend start- startups is undeniably good. Like you cannot deny the quality of a product, right? If the product gets to the top of product hunt, it's there for a reason. They did not get voted up because somebody spammed it. Like that could happen once, but it's not going to happen every yeah. day. And that's what I think the lesson for entrepreneurs is, if you're listening to this, is you have to be so good that they cannot ignore you. You have to be that good. Because Love the that. world is so many people out there. The commodity is attention. And the way you get people's attention is by just being good. You have to, your product has to get better and better. And most people don't have the ability to sit there and look at that product on page and say, you know what? We gotta redo this font again. We gotta go back to commenting system. We're at 2.5. We gotta do 3.0. Oh, I can't wait, wait to show the new stuff we're working on. I know, but it's just like, you know what? Most people, when they get to that, they don't have that attitude. They don't have that relentlessness mm-hmm. of like, I've had to do the commenting system for the fourth time. These guys that discuss have been at it for how many years? Four or five? Is it? More. Six Is or seven now. Wow. On a commenting system. Yeah. You know how many people use that? It's like a billion yeah, people. Yeah, it's yeah, like over yeah. 500 million people, I think. They just keep iterating on a commenting system yeah. that's a level of relentlessness that you have to appreciate yeah alright yeah. This, is, this is great that was a great ending 
So, launch is coming up. Launch is coming up. Yeah, it's kind of sold out. No, I mean, I'm stoked for you guys. Um, have a great time, everybody who's coming. You know, 10 of the 11,000 people are coming are um, there on scholarship uh, as our guest. And I just want to thank all the f- um, sponsors. You know, I've been lucky enough to have Sequoia and Google and Wilson Sonsini and all those people literally every year help me chip away at that $1.4 million budget. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, it's only you know, a million bucks. You know, I, I actually can't afford to do it and lose money every year. Like, it's a lot of money to do this. It can only be done with a team of 12 people who work for me and then literally 30 top-level sponsors who put in mm-hmm. essentially, you know, on average, thirty or $40,000 each. And it took me 20 years to build up enough credibility to be able to go to 30 people and say, give me $40,000 each and I'll get this done, or $30,000 each. Like, it took a long time to get here. But boy, is it going to be amazing that 10,000 people can come and see this quality of speaker and not have to pay. Mm-hmm. Like, that didn't exist in the world before I did it. So I'm kind of proud of that. Like, people say, like... What's your legacy kind of thing? Like, I think I created the Ellis Island of this industry. 15, 20% of people who come to the event, it's their first time to San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you tell me if I'm wrong, but your first, some of your first introductions to the industry came from this week in startups, right? Like you, a lot, of, the a people, lot of people, yeah. A lot of the people yeah. you know, you know because you watch the show, right? Like that's a good legacy to have. That I'm very proud of the fact that so many people, when they were coming up, they, they met their co-founder at the event. They watched mm-hmm. the show and they got inspired, right? Like, it's so meaningful to me. Events, uh, podcasts, product hunt, all these create these serendipitous connections of people yep. passionate about a certain thing. Collisions, exactly. And that has a spiral effect, like down the road 10, 20 years from now, who knows what, what that net meeting at launch, yeah. you know, will actually... Yeah. For you guys, this will be a breakout for you guys, I think. I think this could be your breakout moment. I mean, you guys have been building, mm-hmm. but the fact that you're going to be on stage with this level of person and interviewing them for three days, like, I think probably half the people at the event know you and the other half don't, and now everybody's going to know product. It's going to be like, I think, I'm really happy for you guys. I'm really thankful you guys put a lot of work into it, too. Yeah. And this, uh, this podcast is, you know, largely inspired by yours. I mean, oh, we, well, thank you. We've been watching for a long time, and... Yeah, and, both of us. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so thank you for, for doing yeah. what you do. Pro tip, yeah. get two microphones. <laughs> yeah. Just so you guys yeah. know, like you guys got all that Andreessen Horowitz money, man. You can afford two microphones hey, we're now. To be, we're trying to be frugal. <laughs> I wanted that. You know what? Mark Andreessen, if listen to this, he should be very thankful you bought one one microphone. You can buy two. Yeah, Mark Andreessen yeah. says okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Cheers. See you.